0: Today, our guest speaker will be Pastor Chris Wan. Um, She's been uh, speaking for us for quite a few weeks now, and we're on the book of uh, Acts. And before she comes up, um, we're going to read the, um, the verses of the day. So today's reading will be Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. The church in Antioch of Syria. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. And now I'll welcome Pastor Chris Wan.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Good to see you all again. All right. Um, How many guys do uh, jigsaw puzzles or have done jigsaw puzzles before? Few, okay. So I'm not a jigsaw puzzle um, or avid jigsaw puzzle person. Maybe once every few years, but I like to do them once in a while. But you know that when you do jigsaw puzzles, there's a little bit of strategy involved, right? Um, I'm not into strategy games at all. I am poor at it, and so I, you know, and I'm competitive, so I don't like to lose. So I don't like to play those strategy games. But in terms of uh, jigsaw puzzles, I, you know, what is the strategy? Usually, you have to find those pieces that have the ends, right? You gather them all together, try to put them together so that you have a frame. And then what we do is we put like similar colors, similar shapes in the picture, and we, you know, try to put those together to the frame of of the puzzle. But none none of those things can be possible without a picture that we usually get from from the front of the box, right? Because without that picture, it's almost impossible to put a puzzle together, especially if the number of pieces increase. And so with that illustration, I want to ask a very simple question to us, and that is, who is the one who's holding the picture in your life? Who's holding the picture of your life? And who is the strategy, strategist? of your life. Now being in church, we all know that answer is always Jesus. Right? But really the true answer we can see is from our own lives. Do we really live our lives that answers that question with Jesus? Now before I get to the personal applications of our text today, I also I want to give sort of a um, bigger picture. Of our text, and then come to that question, those questions again at the end. Okay, so let me summarize our scripture. Even though it was, uh, it was very um, easy to understand. It tells us that our scripture tells us that people who were scattered because of the persecution went very far. They went like uh, from anywhere from two to three hundred miles all the way to like eight hundred miles. Now, in those days, that's pretty far because they didn't have the kind of transportation system like we did. So people were scattered to very far distance. And as they were scattered, they were preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what I preached about last time I was here. And, And then immediately it tells us that however, some of the people who had received the gospel from others went to Antioch, and started to spread the good news to the Gentiles. Now, I don't know how you guys are, but for me, I'm not particularly fond of people who likes to push the boundaries, who acts as if, like, rules are just suggestions. Have you ever had people like that? That, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's okay. You you know, it's just... We could, it doesn't matter, right? I, I'm not the kind of people that likes that kind of um, situations or circumstances or to be in those kind of groups where people are constantly pushing boundaries. But thank God for those kind of people in our text, because it was those people. Sometimes we may label them as troublemakers. It was those people. However, these Psalm people, who was touched by God, who was who you know who saw the enormity of God's love, that gave them the boldness to do something unimaginable, and that is to take the gospel to the Gentiles, because up until this time, it was only for the Jews, and then the news of their uh, of Gentiles coming into to church reached Jerusalem, right? So it probably took months before they heard the news. And when they heard it, the apostles probably were like, hmm, we need to look into this. So they commissioned Barnabas to go out and check it out. And when he came to Antioch, this is what it says. It says that he witnessed God's blessing in their midst. In other translations, it says that he witnessed God's work in their midst. And NIV says it like this, that Barnabas witnessed God's grace among them. So I wonder, what does that look like? What does God's grace look like in a church? What does God's grace look like among the believers? So I have a bit of like charismatic background in my, in my, I guess, uh, makeup and my Christian makeup. And so my, my charismatic imagination automatically goes to like, they're having these like all night prayers, you know, um, praying in tongues and just having this wild worship nights and, and they're doing it all night and early mornings and, and so forth, right? So maybe that was what was happening. And and maybe so, probably at a regular um, intervals that they were constantly coming together to worship and pray and listen. But I also wonder if what Barnabas witnessed was not just those kind of expressions, but what we have already seen in Acts, Books of book of Acts. And that is this outrageous generosity within the community, sincere love,
0: genuine
1: care. I wonder if that's what Barnabas saw. Because if we look back, several times in Book of Acts already told us that was the impact of the gospel. It wasn't just, oh, now we believe and we attend church and we have services and, and we, you know, we're faithful in coming. But there was this expression that cannot be found anywhere else. And that was this outrageous care and concern and love. And I wonder if this is what Barnabas witnessed that day. So if I were to ask you, what does grace of God, God working in your life look like? What does that look like for THMC? When others were to come and see God at work at THMC, what would they say? How would they describe God at work, God's presence here at THMC? I think it is a good thing for us to sort of contemplate and think about. But the main point of this passage um, is really about the gospel crossing borders breaking barriers. Because it was only for Jews that this good news was preached. But now, people who had received it in Cyrene and and Cyrene and, and Cyprus, they're going to Antioch and telling the Gentiles. People who are not Jews, they're telling the Gentiles the good news. Again, what would have made these Jewish people tell Gentiles? the good news of Jesus Christ, right? Why, why would they even think that, that that would be necessary? For me, I, f- I would say that these people who encounter the power of the Holy Spirit really saw the bigness of God, how awesome God is, that, that God is so big that, that they cannot contain God. To, to themselves. That's the kind of God that encounter, they, they encountered. And they needed to share that. It was like overflowing, not a, a burden, not a responsibility, but this, this overflowing sense of, wow, my God is big. This God we're believing in is huge. He's enormous. His love is so big that it naturally Reach the Gentiles? But on the flip on the other side, why would the message of Jesus Christ mean anything to the Gentiles? God, Israel God, God that that these Jewish people served came in in the flesh and dwelt among them. How does that gospel become a good news to people who did not share the same belief before. And I was um, taking a class at Fuller when I was getting my MDiv degree, and there is a class on theology of Martin Luther King Jr. And that class, ironically, is taught by a Korean professor. And um, he was, he said something that I would, um, that really sort of, cemented this this idea for me. He said that the history of America, the dark history of America, tells us the power of the gospel because it was the slaves, the very fact that the African slaves, or Africans who were brought to America and were subjugated to slavery, they chose for themselves They chose for themselves to serve and believe God of their white masters who were brutal to them. The fact that they chose that very God to have hope in, to believe in salvation, shows to us how powerful the gospel of Christ is. And that it crosses borders, it breaks barriers. And so I think that that is a good answer for us to really think about. That truly, if God is God, then he has to be God of the universe. If God is the the capital God, the capital G God, not the small, you know, G, but capital G. If he is truly God, then he has to be God of all, not God of some. So then by definition, God cannot have boundaries. God cannot be limited, right? If God is all, then there's no boundaries in him. His power and equally his love cannot be exclusive. In the same line of thinking, God's rule, his reign, his presence cannot be limited if he is truly God. The Jews in our text thought, first thought that the Holy Spirit was just relegated to them because they were the chosen people. No? They were the chosen few. But it turns out that God's heart was much bigger, wider, all along, all throughout history. And as the Gentiles were believing in Jesus Christ, the Jews realized that gospel wasn't meant to keep people out and some people in but that God's heart is for all. It testifies to the heart of God that everyone is precious to him. Each one of us is precious to him. We are seen by God, each one of us, not just the chosen few. So we have a place where we belong, We have a place where we are precious to our God. God, Jesus showed us through his own life how he broke barriers. He broke barriers as he reached the poor. He broke barriers as he uh, reached the sick, sick. And then he valued children. He valued women and he ate and he hung out with and he fellowshiped with sinners. Now, as church, as Christians, we often label sinners, right? And we judge sinners. But really, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not for just certain sinners, but for all sinners. I'll say that again. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not for just certain sinners, certain people who sin on certain sins, but it's for all sinners. Sinners like me, sinners like us. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for all. So we were all sinners who were given the opportunity to hear the love of God for us. That is the message of Jesus Christ. No one is exempt from God's kingdom. No one is disqualified from hearing God's love. Kingdom of God has even a place for someone like Saul, who was vehemently against Jesus Christ. With his own whole heart, he vehemently hated Christ. But the gospel of Jesus Christ was for him as well. So once we hear, we have the choice to make, to receive that gospel or to reject that gospel to believe that Jesus Christ came to show us how much God loves us. And we have the choice after hearing whether to receive that or not. But what we don't have liberty is to pick and choose how much of God we want to believe and how much of God or Bible we want to to believe in. We don't have that liberty. Again, if God is God of all, then we have to believe all of God, who God is we don't. It's black and white. It's, there's no middle ground. Now, I, from my readings and, and listening to some podcasts, I know, noticed that more and more people, especially in the, in, you know, um, in the younger uh, generation, there's sort of this movement for curating their own religion. But you know, this is not a new thing. This is sort of an idea of pantheists, even that existed thousands of years ago. People believed in many different gods because they wanted to make sure that they got all the blessings. This is sort of the Hindu belief. This is like animism, right? We want to make sure that, that we check all the boxes off right so that we have the blessings. And then we end up being God, small God, small g, in our, over our own lives. But Christianity is not about that. Christianity is whether God is all or God is nothing. Is God everything or is God nothing? That's the only two choices that we have in Christianity. Now, how is that kind of message a good news? How can we have that kind of faith to surrender everything that we have. To say, okay, if I believe in Jesus Christ, this is all that I'm going to believe. Everything that Bible tells me. Everything of who I am. I'm going to give my full self to that. Or I don't. How do, I, how do we have that kind of faith? How do, I, how do we have that kind of surrender? And I want to say that that is only possible when we look at who God is and how faithful God is. I love the song that we sang today. Or it says that um, God is still the same. When did he break his promise? When did his kindness fail? Never has, never will. God is still the same. When did he lose his power? When When did his mercy change? Never has, never will. God is still the same. God is still the same. Not once did he ever stop moving. Not once has he ever let go. Not once did he ever stop proving our God is in control. Now, when we look at our passage today, we see the big movement of God. And let me explain that, okay? So in chapter a chapter uh, in our chapter uh, eleven, verse nine, it says or nineteen it says that people who were scattered uh, uh, people who, who were persecuted were scattered and going to different places to preach the gospel. that particular sentence was actually a repeat from chapter eight four and what 's happening is that in chapter eight Chapter 8 through 11, there are certain things that are happening. There are conversions of important people that were happening. And these conversions really um, shows us how what was happening in Antioch is approved. Let me explain. So in chapter 8, we see how... uh, how a a geographical and religious barriers are being broken because Philip takes the message of Jesus Christ to Samaria where Jews really disdained Samaria and Samaritan people. But Philip takes that message to them, right? So there is already a, a barrier of geographics and religion that's ethnic borders that are being crossed, that are being broadened. And then we see later how Philip is um, is supernaturally meets the eunuch from Africa, from Ethiopia, and that person gets baptized. There is a again uh, a, a breaking of border in social ladders and geographical, political uh, barriers. And then we see how Saul meets Christ, and Ananias goes and, and ministers to him. And Saul was a religious, he represents a religious barrier because he was the Pharisees of Pharisees, people who really did not like Jesus at all when he was alive. And gospel was breaking through those religious barriers. And then lastly, the conversion of Cornelius. He was a Gentile. He was a military leader. So we have a political and military barriers that were being crossed but also this Jews versus Gentile barrier that was, that was being crossed. So there was already this setup going on from chapters 8 to 11. And then when we come to chapter 11 to our text, we see that when these people, these nameless people, they weren't apostles, they didn't have the, the authority, yet they took the gospel to the, to the, to the Gentiles. Can you imagine if Peter and some of the disciples didn't experience Cornelius coming to the Lord? That when this Antioch thing was happening, how well they would have received this news? They would probably said, no way, there's no way that, that, that Gentiles are in part of this, this message. But God knew ahead of time and prepared this, this scene, this, this, this receiving of the Gentiles, by giving Peter and the disciples and the apostles the, to witness the power of the Holy Spirit in their midst, first by Gentiles, so that when they hear about what was going on in Antioch, they were able to embrace it. So we see how God is at work in this big ways, right? He's setting up. He's a strategist. He's setting up the pieces for this to happen. Now I wanna bring it to then our lives. How does this apply to us? I love that God works in grand scales, but at the end of the day we have to know what does this mean for us as Christians, right? And as our song I think says towards the end that God is in full control. He's the same, he is in full control. Sometimes it's really hard to see if God is at work in our own lives. Right? We live day in and day out. Every day seems the same from the other days. And we can't easily see God's work in our lives. Now, um, this week was a week for me um, that I was having some reflective time of 2022. And so I was going through some of my spiritual journals. I, I ended up having too many, so like I'm now thinking how to concise and bring them into one. But you know, I was going through different platforms of my uh, journal entries. And I realized right off the bat, my, my January of 2022 started off with like really heavy decisions and big things that were happening. And, and, and it was there were a lot of uncertainties. So we were having to deal with, um, you know, having to find another place to live. We were, you know, uh, talking about finances and what will happen with our finances. I was in turmoil with my own career in ministry. And our daughter was supposed to, you know, it, it was planning to get married this year. And so all of those things were the things that I was writing, first pages of January. And as I was reading those things, I was overwhelmed by the, the, the gratitude because you know hindsight is always 20-20, right? So as I was just reading, I, I mean, I already know what happens in my own life, right? But as I was reading those words in January, In December, I saw how God answered all of those questions that I had in January. And I was almost, maybe I not almost, I was embarrassed because I saw how I was so consumed in those days of January over those questions that I had. And meanwhile, I was in God's good hands. He had me all along in his hands. I didn't have to stress out so much. I didn't have to be consumed so much. And I was thinking almost immediately, oh God, help me to have more faith. Oh God, I, don't, I want to be found to be the, the kind of person who has greater trust in you. And, and this is what I felt the Lord say back to me. It's not my, like, sort of, like, effort to trust God on my, uh, on my own will. It's not my, like, oh, you know, like, usha, usha, like, try, let's try more and more, and, like, I, I could do this, believing God more. No, that's not where my trust grows. That's not where my faith grows. My faith grows by looking at who... Jesus Christ is, by looking at how faithful he is, allows me to be faithful back to him. So my personal uh, encouragement and application to you is, as we enter into 2023, I encourage all of you to keep a spiritual diary. I would love to tell you how to keep all those things, but it's not for today. But in what shape or form, I would love to ask you to take keep a spiritual diary because, you know, we are creatures who forget easily. And that's why even from the Old Testament, God says build stone remembrance, stones of remembrance. Keep coming back to what God has done because when we look what God has done even in a day, we can see God's presence in our lives. We can see God's fingerprints in our lives. But we live life as if God does not exist except on Sundays. And then we think, oh, where are you, God, when something happened. But when we are able to track God's work in our lives, and then we visit those things, we will be overwhelmed, blown away, by God's presence in our lives. I promise you that. So it is my encouragement to us that as we welcome 2023, that this church, THMC as a whole, and individually, that we would have this kind of faith that says, God, you are the master strategist in my life. And so I will trust your faithfulness that you are the one who's holding the big picture, and you are the one who's leading the strategy of my life. So I will worry less. I will not be so anxious. I will not stress out and live st- have stress from one day to another. But I will trust you because I see how faithful you are, how faithful you have been, and how faithful you will continue to be. That is the part that God invites us to. He says, come and taste how good I am. So 2023, let's continue to to taste how good God is. Continue to remember how good God is. And then we can see our faith Our trust in him grow more and more because we are intentional in seeing where God is, how God is at work in our lives and in this church. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, We will have communion next, I guess. Yes, Um, we'll have communion. Now, I want to just ask you to all stand up. And before we, as we move into communion, I would like for you to just, if you want to, if you are willing and able to, have your hands out like this in the posture of surrender, as posture of just receiving what God has for us. And perhaps you can just say, God, you are holding my life in your hands. I'm going to trust in you. So I surrender to you. That God, you are holding my life in your hands. That you are the master strategist. And I trust in you, in your ways so i surrender to you just take a moment and say a prayer any form of prayer that comes to your heart as he extends his invitation to you to come and trust him his invitation that says i want to show you my my son my daughter how good I am Lord, Father, we just say that we come to you and we thank you for your faithfulness. The ways that you have shown yourself so true, so loving, so kind. Thank you for your presence. And thank you for opening our eyes to see how faithful you have been and how faithful you are. And I pray, Lord, that as we enter into 2023, Lord, that THMC and people here will be at the end of 2023. We can say, yes, my faith in God has grown because he has shown us how faithful he is, that he is worthy of our trust. So we surrender and continue to surrender ourselves to you trusting that you have the best gift for us always, that you will never steer us wrong, that you we are in your good hands. We thank you for that. Help us to, to lean into your presence ever so more. In Jesus' name.